and all that stuff it allows great things to happen but so many people are caught up in ease and comfort and i think that's how we approach america in a lot of ways we're like oh they didn't they weren't nice to me so that means i can't win like maybe them not being nice to you is actually propelling you towards your destiny tweet talk episode 48 it's lit Episode Stephen Davis. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me, Bob. Boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates. Exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. That's good. Are we on the air, Tweet sugar? Dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Stephen Davis, whoever that is. <laughs> he was an NFL running back. Back in 1996 to 2006, played for the Redskins. Three-time Pro Bowl selection, first time, all, or one-time All-Pro selection. He is from Southern Carolina, South Carolina. Did they call it Southern Carolina no. or just South Carolina? I think it's pretty much just South Carolina. You know what's interesting is on the East Coast, you guys are so connected to, like, all the other states. Do you guys travel to the, to the different states? Have you, like, driven down, like, oh, let's go to D.C., kids? Do you guys do that? Not me. I'm not a traveler, but I'm planning to start. Uh, this year, I'm calling now. 2020, I'm planning to start traveling. I don't care what nobody it, says. I don't know. I mean, this is like the most unique year to make that proclamation, but I support it. Yeah, I, I don't care, man. You got to open up sometime this year. We still got right. seven months left. You Some people get a lot of you can get a lot of deals out there right now. Yeah, I know um, a guy at work who who bought plane tickets to Italy round trip like for 800 bucks this is I forget what month this was maybe early march that's cheap and, and, yeah that's i guess cheap. so he's 800 bucks for one person yeah i guess that's cheap going for a round trip to italy i guess i guess so it's like over a thousand he was ecstatic he was ecstatic he, must, he, he must did know it. this he did it literally the day before italy announced that they were like closing the whole country wow but he's so, not worried because he booked it for September, so he's not. He's still not even. So, worried. so maybe he didn't get the best deal. Maybe he could have got an even better deal now. Maybe, but he's ecstatic and he's still yeah. he's still excited about it. It's not happening until September. So I would like to go to Italy. He's not scared. He's not scared at all. Apparently, they say Italy is racist, but I don't really care. Where isn't right? Racist don't, racism doesn't scare me, man. I mean, you going in the heart of Europe. I mean, that's where it's starting. So yeah. I go see the sites regardless. Hell, Hitler. That's what, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Stay home, and you still you're gonna fight at home. So might as well travel the world and see. That's all facts, man. That is so facts. People out here trying to avoid racism, and you go outside, you go to Target, you'll get you some racism. People getting arrested on their front lawns and stuff. Right. Yeah, man. So people. If you ever wanted to travel, claim it this year. We only go. five months down. There's still seven left to go. I we're we're going to do a trip, but it's going to be to Palm Springs. 
it's going to be very low key because you can't put the baby on a plane. And also, I got to still, hopefully I can even do that because the wife isn't really feeling even doing any trips right now due to coronavirus fears. But I just want to chill, man. I just want to go somewhere. I don't got to get on a plane. I just want to like get away and download. But the problem is, I feel like I'm going to still be working. Like every time I go anywhere, I'm still working. When we were in Puerto Rico, I was working. We we're in Cabo, I was working. I remember the Cabo Vegas. Trip. Yeah, I'd be working, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I can't really rest. I feel like I feel like I'm retired right now, but I'm not retired until I hit two. Like a million is not enough, like Larry June says. He said a million dollars really not much in Cali. So like my goal is like I hit that one and I'm like, how can how fast can I get to two? <laughs> like how fast can we get to two? What do we gotta do to get to two? And it's like a relentless pursuit of that because I feel like then you can kind of chill because if you do the math on that much money, it's really not too much that can like take you down. Like I'm always calculating how much does private school cost for 18 years. And so I'm like, okay, $1,000 a month, that's $12,000 times 18 years. It's like 200 grand. And so I'm like, okay, if you have 200 grand, you have, the, you have school paid for. But like, ideally we can get it for cheaper, but at least you know that schools pay for. But the crazy part about it is you're still going to continue to make money. So right. like, even if I was thinking about this, I was like, even if I could only pay for like 10 years of private school now, what am I going to be able to do when I'm 45? Hopefully pay for the other 10 years. But and then so. that's just that's how I think, man. I got to pay for private school. And write a check for scholarship by then too. Right. Hopefully you get a scholarship, but... And write a check for college. Shout out to these stocks right now, man. These stocks are going crazy. I hope you're getting this stock market money, Raphael, because it's nuts. Man, I got to happen. It's nuts. You missed You missed it, man. You was you yeah. were one of the people who were like over here saying it might be a double dip. It might go down some more. That's what they were saying. I never forget. Like smart people. It's always smart mm-hmm. people, Raphael. It's never the dummies. Dummies don't really talk much. Like people who don't really know the space, when they see you talking about stuff, they kind of just sit back and be quiet. But people who are kind of smart, they're the people who comment and they're like, you know, the stock market's going to do a double dip. If you compare this chart to that chart, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, like I've been flipping money the whole coronavirus. I'm in my Robinhood account, but I already flipped over my TD Ameritrade account. I had like 12 over there. I turned it to 25. Now I have my big Robinhood account. I'm over here about to turn that over. I've already turned, I made 50, I made 50 grand a month of a stocks. That's the most money I've ever made in one month because I just, it was scary, man. I had, at first it was just over there in cash, not even in stocks. And I was like, you know what? You're not going to make no money just sitting here. And it's like, let's just, let's just put it out there. And so I put it out there and it started hitting, started hitting, started hitting. And this week it just went nuts. So get that stock money, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody, I don't know if they're listening to the podcast, but somebody in the Stock Investment Club initiated that trade. <laughs> Even though we're supposed to cash. We finally were completely in cash. And somebody initiated a trade for, I forget what the stock was. And Got us to spend twenty thousand dollars. You didn't notice how much it was. I didn't. I have so many different things. I didn't know it was that much. That's so ignorant. Like we had twenty five thousand dollars in cash, and they initiated the trade, and we just bought twenty thousand dollars worth of stock, even though we had to be. The deadline so is probably in is like in like three days, I think, or something like that. Where they're telling you to either take your money out, or we're going to send you a check. Well, we just spent twenty thousand I mean, dollars. I'm not. I, I don't really believe in problems that can't be fixed. 
but it is frustrating that something like that would happen. Um, it kind of speaks to people not being in tune with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get out of it, and then we'll slap the person who did it because he's a retard. Um, it's like, they what do you put it in? What's store capital? Who even heard of that? Like, that's just insane. And it's two people voted yes on the thing. I'm like, oh, man. But like, I'm not really worried. I mean, when you looked, like, even if you didn't know, when you looked at it, didn't it, didn't it consider, like, why are we completely in cash? Well, that is true. However, I don't like kind of how people just kind of headed for the hills. And so people heard like Vallejo shutting down and like, I guess the investment club is over. Like, bro, like we were here before Vallejo existed. The investment club doesn't end just because Vallejo exists. It just stops like doing what they do. We still got Bivio. We can still go back to how we did it beforehand. Like, and so I have so many different things going that it's tough for me to like step in, especially when I have people who kind of can speak for me because that's not how I would have played that. And I feel like what we should have done instead of just taking that immediately to the group is we should have brought it in house and had like an executive level meeting and said, what are we going to do? But instead, mm. what happened is you have members who are like, hey, did y'all see that, that, that thing in Vallejo? And then you have executives who are like, oh yeah, you saw that thing in Vallejo? I guess we got to end it. And I'm just like, huh? Like, we can't, we can't, you don't make decisions like that offhand. Like that's not how big organizations move. Big organizations have board meetings, they have votes, they have all that stuff. And we should have taken a step back, assess the situation and then gone forward. I'm not too worried about this trade. It's down like 0.72%. It's like 1%. That's like what, 20 bucks. We'll get out of the trade. It might be like 200 bucks. It was like 200 bucks and we'll just move on. I'm not really worried about that. I'm just worried about like overall grand scheme of things. What's the focus? And the focus can't be we quit. I don't quit anything. We've been doing this too long to be quitting. We got to figure out how we're going to pivot. Are we going to put things on the hold? Are we going to go find a new opportunity? Are we just going to be information only? Like what are we going to do? But we can't. We, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what quitting looks like. I'm going to spell quit. What is, what's quit? That's like name dad. She's like, what is, what is fear? Like, I'm a boss. I only speak boss. Right, right. That's bosses what he says. Bosses don't talk about quitting, man. <laughs> so you said invest your way to freedom. Um, I like that. I don't know why I tweeted that. but There's a, there's a lot to be said. I feel like that is true. But I also feel like you got to build your business to freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, a business is going to do it, man. Investing is great. Investing is definitely lucrative after, after you kind of get like big money. But like you got to you got to get big money before you can really hit big money in investing. Um, so I don't even know why I tweeted that. I believe it. I think it's dope. But what I found is like you got to kind of do a combination of both. There's a reason why on the other side of the quadrant it's the BNI quadrant. And it's a business owner and investor. You kind of have to do both. You're going to take your business income. You're going to funnel into your investment. So what does that mean? That means you got to find people to serve at scale. You got to find people to help at scale. And that's what you're going to use to fund your investment account. When I was doing like crazy numbers and options, all I was doing was taking LLC money and putting it into the stock market. I wasn't taking work and income because work and income is slow income. Working income usually is spent before you get it. Usually when you have a job, you've already factored in, like I got bills, I'm buy these J's, right. take my girl out, and the money's spent. Business income comes whether you like it or not, when you expect it or not. And so it was very easy. I was thinking about this. I was like, you know what? If you make 40 grand in a month and you spend five grand in a month, you're spending more money than the average person. Most people don't spend $5,000 a month. And that's what they'll see you spend 5,000 in the month. They'll be like, you wilding out. But they don't see that you save thirty five, mm. and that's and that's 
you could say you make 40, you spend five, you invest five. No, you, you make 40, you spend five, you live off five, and you still stash 30. You're still able to stash $30,000 in a month. And that's why I tell people, you got to stop making sense of small money and go make bigger money. Right. I was thinking about this when I walked into the house today. I was like, you know what? It takes no creativity to say, let me pay off my student loans. But if you flip the focus and say, how can I make as much money as possible? The possibilities are endless, but you can do what everybody else does. If you take the pay your, pay your loans off route, you can just go to your job, pay your loans, go to your job, pay your loans. But if you take the other route and it says, do as much as you can to make as much money as you can, the Heart Sogs wouldn't expect it to create a cleaning company. A cleaning company that makes them $300,000 allows them to pay off their debt and still have money. So I feel like the, the, the statement is true. I think you have to do anything but work in a job. Like work your job, but don't just rely on your job. Like you do have to do a lot of other things and investing is one of them. And in a lot of ways, real estate kind of allows you to create that foundation to start that business. And so if you have that passive income coming in and you know you can count on it, then you can start taking some risk with the money that you have. You're not depending upon that money. So I think that investing investing does get you to freedom, but it's not just investing because you have to be kind of like, it, you have to be a business owner, but sometimes you are in the business of investing. One idea that I had today is I was thinking about creating like a trading business. So like a trading side of Thai Capital where we bring on people, we give them capital, they trade, they make money, we split the profits. So that's one of the ideas that I have. I just got to get some competent people that are willing to ride for that vision. And that's one thing I want to kind of implement because that could be another source of revenue as well. Right, right, right. Investigative freedom. I just put a couple of dollars down with Chris Senegal's project in Houston. I thought about that. Yeah, I, I saw him doing that stuff. Today's the last day. So I didn't by, know that. By the time anybody listens to it, it'll be too late. it be too late. Yeah, yeah so, so that's cool. It's probably closed in probably, I don't know, 30 minutes. But he actually, he's working with um, the lady from By the Block who actually had a phone call with her. She's, she's dope. It's cool what she's doing. Um, and also kind of cool what Jim Morrison's doing because he's kind of, he wants to open up his platform and his infrastructure to allow other people who want to kind of create their own funds to go through him. So that's dope. It's cool seeing what's going on. It's also, I like Chris Senegal's thesis and it's just so interesting to see that he runs into a lot of the same obstacles that we run into. It's just like, you, you say you want to do something and people are like, you can't do that. That's impossible. Every right. single person that I, I keep seeing it over and over again. And he kind of like, he always posts that like, yeah, they said we couldn't do this, but we did it. So mm -hmm. I, I like Chris for that. Yeah. So based on um, touching on what you just said a, like a minute ago, it's amazing how much money you make on big money versus on small money. So I was talking to this woman that I live with and I was telling her, I was like, that's you. And I was telling her, I was like, you know, what's crazy is I made 5% in the market today. 5%. Actually, I didn't tell her that. I told her I made 14 grand because I did. I made $14,000 in the stock market today. Right. And then after hours, I made another six in one day, 20 grand. But what's crazy is I didn't do anything superhuman. I just put money there and I sat it there. And what boggles my mind is I made 20 grand like two years ago on stocks and I was hustling. I was flipping over stocks. I was willing and dealing, doing crazy stuff for the same money that I made in one day today. And the only thing that changed is I have more money now. And so what's really scary is as your income grows, stocks really do the work for you. Like if you have a million dollars and you make 5% in one day, you made 50 grand in one day. 50 grand in a day. People work a whole year for that. People get on a train, sit in traffic, get looked at crazy by some, by some lady, get belittled, mm -hmm. get dogged out, 
have people checking on them to see if they made it back in time for lunch. Right. And you can make that in a day. But that same 5% on a thousand dollars is 50 bucks. And that's why options are so powerful because options amplify your return. But that's why having big money is so powerful. And that's why the money that I have in my trade, my investment account, I'm never, I'm never spending that. That money never is going to get spent ever in my life ever again. That's permanent money. Unless somebody gets sick and we got to liquidate it for some sick stuff where that money is just going to stay there and we're just going to continue to find opportunities. So after Rona runs its course, then it's like, okay, let's reshift our portfolio and now let's find the next opportunity. Let's sell off our winners and let's go find some stuff that's lagging and let's run that back up too. And that's all I was saying. Like I could probably run this account to a million dollars because the bigger money that you have, the bigger money that you make. Mm-hmm. If you're investing $300,000, if you're investing $200,000 and you make 10%, you're making 20 grand. Imagine you make 10% in a month. That's 20 grand. And so you have to pair big money with also wisdom. You can't just be out here. Like the stuff that I'm buying makes sense. I'm not out here buying Netflix, not buying Amazon, not buying all these companies that are trading high. I'm buying stocks that people are like, why would you buy that? Why would you buy MGM? Why would you buy Las Vegas Sands? Why would you buy Carnival Cruise Lines? Why would you buy Royal Caribbean? Why would you buy Ford? I'm buying all the stocks that are getting hammered. So there's a lot of intelligence that goes with it. It's not just the the money. It's the money plus the intelligence. But what's crazy is, and I was thinking about this today, I was like, there's two myths that people tell about college. One is they say it's too expensive. And the other is they say that you will never be able to pay off that debt. So when I went to college, I was lucky. I didn't, I wasn't able to like get all the grants and all the fancy stuff, but my parents paid for half of my college. And so my undergrad loans, I'm at law school and I'm at my grad school, that stuff's crazy. My undergrad loans were only like 20 grand. I made 20 grand multiple times over in the stock market this, this coronavirus pandemic. So that means I paid off my college multiple times. It's not crippling debt like they say. You just got to put it to work in a business. You can't put it to work in a job. Any degree that you have can be paid off in a year if you put it into a, into a business. But they don't want to do that, though. People are like, you know, I got my degree. I need a raise. Like, no, like, go start a business on top of your job, and that'll, that'll set you free. That's kind of like how you said. It's crazy how fast you earn money when you had it. 100%. I feel like you just repeated yourself, Raphael. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. But, you gotta but the cra- I always talk about how like the rich get richer. And you don't really realize that the rich are getting richer until you wake up and you're like, bro, like stocks are only up 3%, but I'm up 10 grand. Like that is insane. 10 grand is so much money. 10 grand is a lot of money, Raphael, to make in a day off of 3%. And so then you start to think like, damn, it's rich, rich folks out there just making money hand over fist. They'll never run out of money. And that's when I was like, you know what? Stocks really are the cheat code. If you have a lot of money and it's invested in stocks, you're just making bread, like crazy bread. Like you can't get 50 grand in a month. You can't, you can, we talked about this in the last podcast and we were talking about like, if you make 20 grand in a month, like you're set, you don't got no problems. And so it's like, if you have like stocks and all you did was just like you hired a financial advisor and the financial advisor set you up like you are set man and it's kind of like unfair at that point in time because it's it's like i always look at downtown la and i'm like man my whole goal in doing this was twofold i wanted my own office and i wanted this place in downtown la 
And I was like, you know what? I started doing the math. I'm like, okay, if I were to like move to downtown LA and the place costs like 2,500 or two grand, like, okay, that's 24,000 a a year. Like that's kind of crazy to spend $24,000 just to live somewhere to say you did it. But if I can match it with the source of income, then it doesn't feel like that as much. And so I'm like, well, we kind of have accomplished that, but it's just cool how you got to get in the space. Downtown LA, Los Angeles will definitely get you in that mindset in that space where you just see nothing but Bentleys and Ferraris just flying by. But yeah, um, I feel like it's a cheat code to have big money. And I learned it from Chris, actually, because I was watching Chris and the gains he was making. And Chris had like, I think he had like 300 grand in his trading account. And I was like, bro, like this dude's just like off his dent, like nothing super crazy. He was making like 30 grand in a day. I was like, that's crazy. I was like, I need to move some money over here so I can really see what's going on. I need to really like get active. And so I moved over some money. I moved over some more money. I started investing. I started seeing like similar returns, like not Chris level, not Chris level money, but I was like, okay, five grand here a day, two grand here a day. And I wasn't making like two grand in a day like that. But like in this environment where stocks are only going to go up, you can't help but make money. You said you have to make your move before the news. 100%. I talk about this in the value investing webinar, crisis money, as they call it, as I call it. Let's say, for example, let's say, for example, you want to buy a stock and like what happens is when stocks report good news, the stock moves up to reflect that new news because they're saying, oh, the the company's doing better. We're going to make money. So you make your money in the difference between when you buy and when you sell. So that means that if you buy after the news, you're buying too late. You got to buy before the news because then you're going to buy it before it goes up. And so people like, I hate to say it's common sense, but it's kind of common sense. Because if you only make, if if the stock goes up on good news, you got to buy it before the good news, because that's when the stock goes up. You make money when the stock goes up. And so that means, I always tell people, you got to predict what's coming. You can't just be the master of the here and the now. So many people are a master of the here and the now, meaning that the news said this, somebody told me this, Detroit looks like this, but you don't make money like that. You make money by being a visionary. You make money by being somebody who can see what's to come, by being somebody who's going to create what's to come. Like that's where the money is. Everything we own in Detroit is worth double what we bought it for because we knew it wasn't always going to be like this. But while we're buying in Detroit, everybody's saying, oh man, it's bad here. You don't want to be here. It's crime. It's dangerous. Who wants to buy in Detroit? And then I'm listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast, and he's like, you know what? I wish I bought in Detroit. But on Bigger Pockets for so long, all they did was bash Detroit. It was a running joke on Bigger Pockets. You don't buy real estate in Detroit. But this is why you have to educate yourself. If you educate yourself and you're knowledgeable, you don't make moves based on what other people tell you. You make moves based on what you've, what you've analyzed. I don't make moves based off of somebody else's information. And so that's how you get ahead of the news. You look at the chart. I make the best chart. I make the best investment decisions when I'm not watching CNBC. I watch CNBC to get confirmation, not to get instructions because they're late to the party all the time. And maybe they might not have been late because I was watching it like two weeks ago and they were talking about like, what stocks are you buying? And they're like, I'm buying casinos. I'm buying cruise lines. And that stuff panned out. But I feel like they were a little bit too late to the party. They, they still got you a little bit of some money. But we made bigger money because we got in way sooner than they did. But I'm over here. And the thing is, is you get better at, at, at it the more you do it. So the more that you analyze things and read things and look at charts, you're going to get better at predicting what's to come. It's not static. It's something that you can improve at. And when you improve at it, you make more money. But you can't sit around waiting for somebody to give you instructions. And that's what makes... 
the Thai Capital Options community and what we do so powerful because there's a lot of people out there that have groups and it's like a call out group. It's like, hey guys, this is going to win. Go buy it. I'm not naive enough to think I have all the answers. And so they have a cap because they're only moving in line with what the civil rights says or what JT says. Whereas in our group, you might have somebody who's over here looking at companies I never even heard of before and they're making money doing it. And it's dope. And I'm proud of them because the fundamental skills stay the same. It's not a matter of me being the big kahuna. In fact, I don't even, I don't even like being present. I hire people to be present for me. The Thai Capital Options Community is literally the most, the best business I've ever ran. And the reason why it's so powerful is people don't even realize it's a business first and foremost, but also because it runs business, a business is not a business if you have to show up to it. And so in the beginning, people were like, oh man, this would be better if like Charles is here telling us what to buy and answering questions. And I was like, like, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like us sharing information with each other. And right now there's 1,500 people in that group. And the cool thing about it is I've hired um, admins and I didn't hire admins until like I had trouble and that trouble kind of pushed me into just leveling up. But what's cool is there's a a girl in there who's been really killing it. And she does like Saturday calls with people and she does like noonday calls with people. And at first I was paying everybody 125 a week. I pay her 250 a week because she's just dope. She is killing it. But it wasn't always like that. And so what I'm finding is like a lot of times people will get the job and they'll just slack off. They'll be like, I got the job. You should be happy I'm here. But she didn't do that. And then when people do that for me, I always pay them more. And that's not just a principle for me. I'm pretty sure that's a principle for everybody. Every job. When you do more, you get paid more. And so for people listening, it's like if you want to get paid more than what you're getting now, you probably got to go a little bit harder. But the options community is a great business. People don't even realize it's a business. They don't even realize what we're doing over there, which is great. Because I don't give away the game anymore because people steal the game. You give away the game, people steal the game, and then you don't got no business anymore. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at partnerwithmillie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So you had a tweet. I think this one, I'm pretty sure this one pertains to the stuff we already said before, and I'm not trying to kill it, but I think it, you said, I think it applies to something else too. You said small gaps become big gaps. I'm guessing you meant between the whole having big money and stocks. I'm not sure if that's what it is, but I, know, I mean, no. like, with education and getting your skills up. I mean, I mean, kind of like, so one of the biggest struggles that I had is, like, when you get out of college and you're not, like, an employee-minded person, you can kind of lag behind the crowd. And that's why I like the book, All the Places You'll Go, because he talks <laughs> about, like, he says, like, people will leave you and you'll, and you'll lag behind the crowd, but then you'll catch up. And so what I found is like, I'm a different person and people know I'm a different person. And that creates a gap between me and other people. People don't like when I say this, but like it it creates a gap. And so I was talking about this on the last podcast. I was like, when I was growing up, I couldn't do everything my cousins were doing. I couldn't do sleepovers. I couldn't do, um, I didn't, I wasn't allowed to listen to music that had cussing in it. Um, A lot of different things. We had to go to church on Sundays all the time. I couldn't wear braids. 
like a lot of stuff I couldn't do. And that creates a gap, creates a separation, but it's not a big separation in the gap. But what I found is that like in the beginning, we're all the same, but over time we grow. And so I always give the example of like rental properties. And so like, let's say you buy one rental property. In the beginning, the gap between you and the person without a rental property is one rental property. And then after two years, you have two rental properties. Three years, you own four rental properties. The next year, you own eight rental properties and that person still has no rental properies. So your one property allowed you now to get to eight rental properties. That small gap turned into a big gap. And that's true in a lot of areas. Small investments turn into big investments. Small businesses turn into big big businesses. And pretty soon you're so far ahead of people that like they can't ever catch up. And try as they must, they just don't catch up. And so like that's kind of what I was saying when I tweeted that. Like the small gaps in life that people take for granted because people take it for granted. They'll see it and they'll kind of laugh it off and then I realize like, nah, bro, this gonna grow. This little business they laugh at is gonna grow. This rental portfolio they laugh at is gonna grow. I was having a conversation with Sheridan and I had this thought and I was telling people like, working for the right person is kind of like an education in itself. And so I was telling, I was like, you know, Sheridan, the business of the vending machines isn't the vending machines. It's not going out there collecting the candy. The business is a higher level executive mindset, meaning we make money by placing vending machines. We make money by buying more vending machines and placing them. The money is in the arbitrage, not in the, I I put Cheetos here. That's employee level stuff. That's $10 hour level stuff. We aren't supposed to be doing that $10 hour level stuff. We're supposed to be doing the, let's strategically put more vending machines here. Let's strategically put these there. Let's market this. Let's advertise this. Let's mess around and finance a hundred vending machines and we'll match. So that's business. That's boss stuff. I was walking out of the office. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do small deals anymore. I would rather forego small deals and only chase million dollar deals than spend my time doing a deal that's less than a million dollars. Like that's where I am now. Like I just, I like once you get to a certain level, it's like, I, I don't got time to waste doing $20 doors, all that stuff. Like I got to level up. My mindset's to level up. And that's a good thing because I've always wanted to get there and I struggled getting there for so long. And Jewish Al used to always tell me that. He was always like, you know, you'll spend, you'll make, a, you'll spend as much time making two grand as you'll do making 200 grand. And he wasn't lying. It's funny you say that. Um, I forget where I saw this, but Donald Trump said one time why he doesn't do small uh, real estate deals. Because he said, I know a lot of people don't like him. That has nothing to do with anything. We're not talking about politics or anything like that. He said the reason he doesn't do small deals is because, believe it or not, he said, small deals take as much work as the big deals do. They just don't pay as much. So he doesn't bother with them. He doesn't bother with little small apartment buildings or single family houses because it's too small for him. He said it's the same amount of work. And and he said, I mean, that's what he said. And he's saying you might think because I'm doing skyscrapers and stuff like that, that it's a huge amount of work compared to like small deals. But he said it's the same amount of work. It's just not as much reward. So I don't mess with it. And you also at that level, you start hiring people in. Right. So like the the deal is large enough that you can start paying people to, to do stuff that you would normally be doing. So you can pay people to lease up the, the place. You can pay people to design the place. You can pay people to, to sell your units and you can still make a bunch of money and they can make a bunch of money. 
So that's kind of where I am. I had another another idea about that, and I forgot what it was. But I think that's kind of where I am, even with like real estate. So like, I'll look at deals, and if it's not a multifamily deal, it doesn't really strike my interest mm-hmm. because it's like then you got to negotiate that small deal, you got to haggle, you got to close. It's like if I'm gonna do all this negotiating, I'd rather negotiate on something that's gonna like actually make a difference in my life. Like I would rather get 20 units, 25 units than be going back and forth with somebody over a little deal that's going to pay me 400 bucks a month. Like I don't even, I don't want those problems. Like 400 bucks isn't going to change my life for me to be going back and forth with somebody, sending DMs, getting my hopes up. Like, oh man, I hope I can make 400 bucks a month and get a tenant who doesn't pay. Because these tenants don't be paying sometimes, man. Like we, man, I, I, could, I could tell you stories, but next tweet. <laughs> All right, so... Real quick sidebar, um, let's tap into the mobile shop, mobile barbershop chronicles real quick. Is there any and movement at all on this? First off, I need to send Sheridan a text and tell her just to book the dude. Like, I'm going to send this right now. So no movement right now, but it's, it's not because it's, there's no movement and it's because I was expecting the wrong people to make moves. Um, it should have just been me telling the team to get it done. And then they get it done. But like I told people inside of the group chat and stuff doesn't move and stuff does move and it's just a big hassle. So it's just better to tell Sheridan to get it done tomorrow and expect it to be done tomorrow than to just toss it out there. And if it gets done, it gets done. If not, we wasted two weeks. Like I don't got time right. to waste. And it, it might not even be there anymore. Like when I sent, I sent somebody out there like two weeks, I sent somebody out there like a month ago and he wasn't able to make it there until a week after and so then he walked out there, he saw it, and the barbershop was on the, the front lawn of where it's situated, where the GPS says it is. And it was turned on, it was opened up. I don't know what they were doing. They're running the generator. It was crazy. He might have been in there cutting hair, low key. Um, and then we went silent for a while, but nothing ever happened. And so right now, it's just like a dead, a dead investment. It's, but what I learned from that is that all assets aren't going to cash flow as you would expect them. So, like, it'd be in a perfect world. It'll be great if everything functioned, everything dominated. But what I'm learning is you got to buy more assets than you think you need because every asset isn't going to be functioning, but also every asset is going to serve a different function. And so I was like saying, like, sometimes you got to buy assets just to take care of your expenses. So if I need to hire somebody to run the vending machine route and I got to buy another vending machine route to afford that guy, that's just what we got to do. But it's not like I'm going to just pay it out of pocket. Like, no, you create assets, you buy assets and your assets take care of your expenses, assets buy liabilities. And so liabilities also include your, your business expenses. Liabilities include your payroll. Liabilities include your car note. Liabilities include your mortgage. And so sometimes you got to buy an asset to take care of things that you would think the business takes care of. Um, and so that's kind of where we are. Like you need more assets than you think you need. Mm. You need more income than you think you need. You need more assets than you think you need. So I'm going to keep in mind. All right. So you had two tweets that I'm going to connect together. You said, first tweet said, you will never get there if the only money you make is attached to your time. It is mathematically impossible. And the second tweet says, working hard, saving, being frugal, great. Start there. But soon you have to detach your income from your hours. Um, I feel like today I was like calculating things and I was like, man, if you were to divide this by like what I get paid per hour, I don't know if it's even humanly possible to make this much money. Mm. And I literally said it out loud. I was talking to my coworker. I was like, bro, like you have to detach your income from hours. Like you literally can't make enough money if your income and your hours are aligned. 
And that was kind of the revelation in itself. Like, it's just mathematically impossible. If you were to, if you were to like, I was thinking about how a million dollars, if you make a million dollars and you make a hundred thousand dollars, it would take you 10 years, 10 years to make a million dollars, you make a hundred thousand. And you probably wouldn't even have a million dollars. Why? Because you're going to spend 80% of that money. So that means after 10 years of making $100,000, which is what everybody aspires to, you still wouldn't have a million dollars. You have maybe $200,000 if you're lucky. And so then I was like, that's just crazy. You're going to work 10 years. And in 10 years, you're going to have $200,000 to show for it, if that. And that's when I realized, I was like, it's it's impossible. Like 10 years is a lot of time. The older we get, the more we realize like how valuable time is. In 10 years, I'll be 43. At 43, that's old to only have $200,000 to show for it, if that. Most people don't make $100,000 a year. Most people make 30-ish. So let's say you make $30,000 a year and you work 10 years. That means you made $300,000. How much did you save for that? Probably nothing. That means in 10 years, you have nothing to show for it. I was talking to my mom. And my mom was like, I need, I need to uh, get on, online with what you're doing. I was like, mom, you need to sell something. <laughs> sell something. Create something and sell it. You have too much knowledge to not be creating it and selling it. And I don't know why people have this blockade and they think they can't do it. My mom has levels of experience that she could be packaging up and selling to the market. She does a course uh, at our college on financial literacy or not our college, our church. And I was like, package that up and sell it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And people will buy it. She's a licensed CPA. I think there's like 5%. No, I think like 5% of the CPAs in America are African-American. 5%. That means she's rare and she has to package it up. I told her, I was like, I've done this, 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 and this. She was like, I need to get on that level. I was like, well, don't debate me. Just do what I'm telling you to do. Even if you don't, even if it doesn't understand, even if you don't understand what it means, because like, that's what I stopped doing. I stopped trying to understand what Chris is doing. And I started doing what Chris is doing. And then I found out why he was doing it. I was like, every Friday, Chris runs a sale for 50 bucks. I was like, I don't know why he's doing it, but let me just do it. And you know what happened? I found out that first and foremost, everybody has 50 bucks. And secondly, everybody gets paid on Friday. So that means they have money to buy your stuff. And that's so valuable. They get paid on Friday. They have money to buy your stuff. That's the biggest thing that people don't even, don't even see. They all have 50 bucks at that point in time. So you bring it down to the level and then you start realizing like the world is huge. So stop trying to get as much money out of one person as you can and start getting little bits and pieces out of a bunch of people. Like that's how you do it. You don't sell your stuff for two grand, 500 bucks, whatever. If you can get a penny out of everybody in the world, you'd be dumb rich. And I realized this also because I just watch successful people. I'm one of the people that I watch successful people and I do what they do. I don't try to understand what they do. I don't debate them. I don't argue with them. If you were successful, I'm like, oh, you got the juice. What can I learn from you? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they'll see somebody successful like, well, I disagree. Okay, but are you successful? <laughs> like, right. it's cool if you disagree, but like, can you, are, are we, are you, can you match what they're doing? And so it's like, I stopped trying to understand what Chris is doing. And Chris has done so much stuff. Like he does a lot of the, he would, he would do a post and he would say like, Hey, I'm offering 50 of these at this price. And I was like, I don't know why he does it, but let me try it. And then I realized it creates scarcity. And if you create scarcity, you create urgency. If you create urgency, people buy. And so on the days that I do that, it's just order, 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 order. So much so that I don't just, you can't just market your product. 
You can't just say, hey, I have this course, buy it. Mm-hmm. You got to say, like, I have this course at this decent price and it's only 50 left. That's it. Because that pairs it with, like, some scarcity, some urgency. And so it's not enough just to have valuable information. You have to have rare valuable information. You have to have uncommon information. And so what I did is I kind of, like, I layered on my own taste on top of what Chris is doing. So I noticed I was getting a bunch of testimonials. And so at that point, I'm just marketing everybody else's results. Like, look what they're doing. 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 doing. And that's worked for me. So now Chris kind of does that. And so we can kind of all bounce off each other. And that's why mastermind groups are so powerful. And that's why sharing your success is so powerful. And that's why not being a hating ass inward is, is, is important because we don't all, we don't win when you be hating. You can't be hating the kid. No, not you, but people on the internet, they be hating. You're not a hater. You're a lover. Raphael, what we got next, man? I guess that's what you said. One reason I keep the price low despite the massive gains people see is because I never wanted anyone to accuse me of taking advantage of people. I would rather be the one getting taken advantage of. That is such a gem. And I've I I've wanted to tweet that without giving away the game, but that's the game. The game is price it fair. When I took those two weeks off, I forgot what I did, but I think I lowered the price even on the options course to like 50 bucks. It was very cheap. I think yeah. at one point in time, it was like 75 bucks. It was very cheap. Um, so at, originally it was priced at like 500 bucks. And I was like, you know what? I'm going I'm to drop the course. And I'm going to see what happens. And mm-hmm. it went ham. Started doing crazy numbers. And I just kept pushing it, kept pushing it, kept pushing it. And people always say like, oh man, people are making thousands of dollars and you're not raising the price. Well, first and foremost, I had a price high. <laughs> I had a price high and I wasn't getting a bunch of sales. Mm. And that's always tell people like the market's going to determine what your product is worth. So I had it priced at 400 bucks, 500 bucks, and I wasn't getting the sales that I wanted to get. And I lowered it and now I'm getting the sales I want to get. And so that's one thing. But also I like it when people make that much money because and it shouldn't have to be like this, but some... Sometimes as like an African-American entrepreneur, you automatically like get hit with with doubt. And I didn't want somebody to pay like because everybody doesn't get great results. Some people don't get good results at all. And so for those people who don't get good results, I would rather them to not have paid a bunch of money. Mm. And so that's one thing I factor in. Um, And then also what's really crazy is people going to hate no matter what your price is. But I just know that I didn't want to be that guy. It's like, he charged me $500 and I didn't make no money. I'd rather you be like, you know what? I paid him 75 bucks. It didn't work for me. And so I'm out. And so you're balancing both things. You're balancing the people that it works for versus those that it doesn't work for. And so for those that it does work for, they got a sweet deal. For those that it doesn't work for, they're moving on to the next. But I'm not charging you crazy money, even though I could. And that's kind of why I keep it at that price. Right. And there is no guarantee on making this money. And even if it works for you, traders lose money. Sometimes yeah, it's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. You just gotta be up more than you're down. That's yeah. all it is. But um, so back to business. You said this is very important. If you are a small business, your goal should be to not be a small business, not to give white glove service to the little bit of clients that you have. I was um, I was talking to Sierra today, and she started her own law firm. And shout out to Sierra. One thing I wanted to tell her that I didn't, because I don't try to overstep my boundaries. 
and people ask me for advice, I give it, but I don't just like, you need to do this, you need to do that. Because I feel like that's lame. Mm-hmm. But I feel like one thing that I did wrong early as an entrepreneur was being in my business too much. So I was following LOCs. I was doing the documents. I was doing the follow-up. And what e-com has allowed me to do is e-com in the sense that it's digital products and it sells itself. And there's a site that they can go to and they can pay is now all my effort, energy, and intellect is spent on marketing, advertising, and promoting, period. I wake up, I market, I advertise, I promote. I'm not responding to DMs. I'm not answering questions. I'm not sending PayPal links. I'm not doing anything. And what I found is that's what the guy who owns our law firm does. He doesn't handle any lawsuits. He brings in attorneys. The attorneys handle their own caseload. His only job is to market, brand, and promote his business and bring in clients. And I realized that's the difference between making okay money and making all the money is how aggressively are you marketing, branding, and promoting your business? That's it. That's it. I told the kids, like, your only job as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, is to market, brand, and promote your business, to bring in clients, to hustle, to bring in money into the door. That's it. And people, they don't, they don't do that. They're like, well, black business suffers because our product isn't as great or our customer service isn't great. No, we suffer because we don't have the confidence to market, brand, and promote our business. There's a business in Watts. I always refer, refer to the business in Watts. And when I went there, I was like, why don't you guys advertise? And they're like, we don't got to advertise. Look at the line out the door. We good. Wow. And I'm like, that's cool, but you got one location. You don't get rich off of one location. If there's one Starbucks, one McDonald's, they wouldn't be rich. They'd be all right. And so some folks are like, I'm all right. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're just happy. Like, I'm all right. I'm not poor. I'm not struggling. I can buy bins. But like, are you leaving a legacy, a financial legacy? Do people know your name? No, because you're not marketing, branding, and promoting your business. That's your only responsibility as an entrepreneur, only. And that's what Gumroad allows us to do. It allows us to utilize their self-checkout system, to utilize the iMac send you links. Like back in the day, it'll be a situation like, oh, I bought your course, send me the link. Now I got to send you the link. I got to go track you down. I don't have to do any of that. My only energy, all 100%. That's so important, Raphael. Like people, Grant Cardone talks about customer acquisition is more important than customer service. And you would think like, that's crazy. Like, why would you say that? But the goal isn't to give poor customer service. The goal is always to give great customer service. We've hired people for that. But you can't have a successful business if you don't have customers. And so your energy, your effort, your creativity has to be driven at bringing in customers. And that's what I was telling Sheridan. I was like, Sheridan, like, we can't just be out there half-stepping it. I was like, we always have to be pounding, always pressing, always pushing 100% energy and effort into growing this, not just answering DMs. Like you don't grow up, you don't grow up. Like if, if it takes you 10 minutes to answer a DM, that's 10 minutes you lost promoting your business. And that just is what it is. It's unfortunate, but, it is, but, but the thing is, is people respect that. People respect somebody who's confident enough in what they're doing that they're going to promote it and advertise it. Cool, cool, cool. Respect it. Ad nauseum, Raphael. And that's why it's like, you got to be going in on your affiliate stuff. Like I've seen... I've seen people kind of slow down, especially when like he who not, he who should not be named started like challenging their stuff. And they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't promote it as hard. And to me, that's whack. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I am the kind of person that's like, they talking, I'm going to really throw it in their face now. 
Like that is the kind of person I am. Like I don't know I'm I don't know why I'm that way, but like because people will limit you, man. And they will limit you not not even because what you're doing isn't dope. They'll limit you because that's just what we do to each other. It's just crab stuff. And you can't allow somebody else to do that to you if you really want to make it. Right. Hmm. She said I should pray for more haters, not less. Right. There's this uh, Joel Osteen. Um, there's this Joel Osteen like sermon that I always try to find because it's just so flames. And it was in my Snapchat. I'll have to find it on my Snapchat. But I forget what it is. But he was like, some of my haters, I got to write them a check. He was like, they thought they were preventing me from winning, but they actually just propelled me further. And Joel, Joel Osteen is really big on that. Um, big on like the people that think they're holding you back actually just kind of push you to excellence. Um, and he gives the analogy about how like if you put your thumb over a hose, like you would think that putting your thumb over the end of a hose would make the water stop coming out or come out less, but really it propels it further. And so in life, you're going to have people who are trying to put their thumb on the end of your hose. And all it does is it makes you go further. And so like, there's this idea that haters make you greater. Any hater that I've run across only improved what I was doing or actually prevented me from doing business for somebody who was whack. Because like one of the dudes like who got caught up in that stuff, he was just like ridiculous. He was he joined the community and he like asked me a question and like he didn't like some people just ask me really, really detailed questions. And like he was super demanding. And then like he was like, oh, I just heard they saying this, this, this is about you. He was like, I need a refund. And so I was like, wow. I didn't even argue. With those. I was like, you get your refund, man. You could go. But like the haters make us greater. And if you didn't have any haters, you wouldn't have any success. And a lot of that came from the 50 Cent book. And he was talking about, he was like, when we pray for success, we never pray for haters. We don't realize like that comes with success. And if you know that, it helps you understand that. And it's just funny to me because a lot of the people who were like hating were the people who like were also talking crap saying like, oh, he's not this, he's not that. But then you become this and you become that. And then they still be hating, but I'm not worried about that. There's something I was going to say in, re- in regard to that. What was it? Oh, dang, I forgot what it was. That's why I have like multiple ideas in my head, but I'll, it'll come back to me. Said expecting easy and perfect is a recipe for failure, though. Straight bars, man. Why is that straight bars? Because there's no such thing as, as anything worth having that's easy, first and foremost. And there's also no such thing as perfection. But a lot of times people only want something if it's easy and it's perfect. And I think the most pressing example that comes up is marriage. A lot of times people think marriage is supposed to be like this beautiful thing and we're just frolicking through like a garden in a meadow. And they don't realize like it takes work and it's not easy and it's not perfect, but you got to stick with it and you got to just kind of hold on to it because it's going to make you better. I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know what? None of the success that I'm having is possible without being married. Like, it just doesn't happen. It's not possible. But they come together. And so as you immerse yourself in the difficulties and the imperfections and all that stuff, it allows great things to happen. But so many people are caught up in ease and comfort. And I think that's how we approach America in a lot of ways. We're like, oh, they didn't, they weren't nice to me. So that means I can't win. Like maybe them not being nice to you is actually propelling you towards your destiny. But we're over here like, 
I can only win if I change them and if they're nice and if when they arrest me, they say they call me sir. And like, bro, like that don't change the fact they ain't going to hire you. Like people just hire their own. People just like their own. People just live next to their own. So you got to figure out a way to exist and thrive in the world that exists, not change the world to fit what you want. And so like, I feel like if you just accept that, you can go so much further. If you stop looking for perfection, you can go so much further. And I was comparing this, like, I think even in business, it's like in business, that first model is crap, mm-hmm. but it's still making you money. I have a product that's still not finished. I got to finish it hopefully this week, but it's still making me money. And I was like, that's like such a cheat code because at work, you got to be perfect. At work, you got to cross your T's and dot all your I's. Otherwise, they smacking you and they calling you dumb and they saying you don't deserve a raise. But in business, you can be imperfect and make money as long as you put your best foot forward. So I'm not telling people to put out crap, but I am telling people to put out something. Don't just sit back and say, well, I'm not going to do it because my logo is not the best and I don't have the perfect name and I don't have blah, blah, blah. It's like, bro, like get started, get fancy. That applies to everything. But I just want to tell people that perfection is not the reason to quit. Imperfection is not the reason why you shouldn't continue to do what you're doing because it doesn't exist. We ain't perfect. Like, I think that that's the most important thing you can learn is like your significant other is going to have flaws. You got to love the flaws either way. You can't say I'm going to love you if you're flawless because what happens is you end up in a situation like somebody that I know. And what happened to them is they got married once and they're like, I don't want to be married. They got married twice. And they're like, I don't want to be married. I'm like, bro, like maybe you need to accept what marriage is. It's not perfection. It's not the movies. It's not TV. (laughs) But it's unfortunate because a lot of times society puts those pressures on us. And that's why I feel like you got to kind of keep your your personal life to you. And what I mean by that is like in the very beginning of all this, I used to share a lot of stuff with like friends and family. And now I've just found that it doesn't, you shouldn't. You just got to keep it to yourself because you keep it to yourself and you do it with your own situation because what will happen is people will hold the mirror of perfection up to you. So like in life, unfortunately, people will, people will like, like my mom, for example, she was like, she would always measure me against perfection. And so in a lot of ways that pushed me to be great, but also in a lot of ways, it kind of creates this false sense of reality where you think that you're not doing enough because it's not perfect, Mm. but perfect doesn't exist. And so now you're just frustrated and you're angry you're like, well, this isn't perfect, so maybe I should just quit. Like, no, like, you just got to accept it. So then you stop telling people stuff. you like, I'm going to just keep this to myself. Y'all need to know what's going on, like, because it is what it is. Right. This is, like, the first episode of Tweet Talks that my wife listened to, and she actually heard it in real time. I wonder what she's thinking right now. Yeah, but she listens to the podcast? No, I don't think so, but she's, oh, like, okay. listening to me. She's in the kitchen, and I'm talking. Oh, that's kind of, like... I'm surprised that she said she listens. And I remember that Cabo trip too. Because I met, <laughs> I was on Instagram seeing all the posts on Twitter. I'm seeing all these pictures on Instagram. I'm like, wait a minute. It was, it was fly though, man. It was fly, but it was like, how would she then just keep posting like that? I don't know. I just sneak it in. <laughs> Like all these pictures are like, is he really on vacation or what's he doing? What is he doing? But it's funny, I don't know if you ever heard of that company, uh, the men's wear company, Charles Turret. Never heard of it. They started off with just uh, dress shirts and now they do ties, pants, suits, whatever. It's a British company. So the guy started it, the company, 
And he said the lady that became his wife, at the time when she was, they were just dates, there was just boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. They went on vacation together and they were on vacation. And the guy kept checking in on his business, taking calls, whatever, doing whatever, whatever. And the girlfriend looked at him and she was like, man, when we get back from vacation, I need to start a business. Because her thought was, I need to have something that I love so much that I'm willing to be in it even while I'm on vacation. And when she got back, she started her own company that is successful in his own right. And he keeps saying, like, it's probably bigger than his, but whatever. That's dope. That's cool. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Business is the hack, man. When you really realize like what it is, I was thinking about this. I was like, you know what's crazy is like immigrants, they don't be tripping off of this stuff because they have their own economy. They have their own businesses. They have their own source of income. I also tweeted something. I was like, the number one way to avoid racism, and I deleted this, is to stop working for white people. Like as crazy as that sounds, it's like it's frustrating, even if you're qualified. And I feel like that's kind of what pushed me to go so hard on my business is because you can have all the degrees in the world and they'll still find a bunch of reasons to not pay you six figures or not pay you what you're worth. It'll always be a reason. Like, ah, whatever. But then meanwhile, they're up there, they're promoting like random goofy dude over there just because of whatever. Like he's not, he has nothing on you. He's not better. He's not better dressed. He's not whatever. They just always find a reason to not do it. And so like, I don't hate them for that. And that's the difference between me and Black Lives Matter. It's like, they're like, what? What you mean you ain't going to hire me? I'm like, bro, like, it's just the way the world is. But that doesn't mean that it's not possible to get your own bag. And so go get your own bag. Why did I even bring that up, man? Did you even ask about a tweet or I just volunteered that one? I think you just volunteered that one. Because I was just about to say, um, you had a tweet saying, your job's rules are keeping you a slave. Man, I, I was sitting at, at work and we got this email and they were like, so first and foremost, when, I, when we were working from home, I was able to kill it because I was like always on Twitter, always promoting, always advertising, always pushing. And then when we had to go back into the office, you can't be on your phone as liberally because you just can't. People are looking at you crazy like, what do you mean you're on your phone? You're supposed to be working for me, bro. I pay you whatever I pay you per day. And then we got this email and the email was like, hey, you guys are on your phone. That's unacceptable. You shouldn't be on your phone doing blah, 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 blah. And I was like, bro, like my source of income comes through the phone. So if you guys are saying I can't be on the phone, then me just saying I can't make any money. If you're saying I can't make any money, that means my only source of money is you. Mm. And I was like, that's kind of lame. I don't, I don't want my only source of money to be you because y'all don't pay as much money as I want to be making. And if that's the case, I'm going to just be over here pissed off like everybody else who's pissed off because they don't have any other sources of income. And so, like, I realized, like, that, and then also just, like, somebody sent me a text or an email, like, two days ago. It might have been this morning. 
And they're like, yeah, man, my job doesn't allow me to trade options. And so it'd be great if you can give me a refund. And I was like, man, like it's people's like, and then Sierra with their situation with their job, not saying she could file LLCs and all this stuff. And I'm just like, right. it's just crazy because all these jobs are limiting to you to them being their only source of income, but they ain't making you rich. They aren't allowing you to drive what you want to drive. And so that's a conflict for me because you're saying I can't do the things that allow me to drive what I want to drive, but I'm supposed to be loyal to you. Like that doesn't make sense. Cause I, I didn't, I, I don't live this life just so I can like barely get by. I live this life so I can do great things and travel well and drive well and eat well and dress well and buy cool watches if I so desire. Right. And so that's the conflict. And that's why like Chris tweeted this and he was talking about how like your job, I always talk about how your job steals your money or steals your wealth. And I also tweeted something about like how a lot of people struggle financially because they spend their whole life working for other men. But Chris is talking about how your best hours and the most money to be made is during those hours of nine to five. And if you're working a job, you're not making the money that you could be making because you could be out talking to banks, getting deals, doing all these things that are going to make you millions, but you're over here making thousands. It's like a, a really bad trade-off. So that's kind of my thoughts there. Yeah, yeah, man. I also said, fatherhood changed me for the better. I hustled for my heart, not my head. 100%. That's a very recent tweet. Um, Gary tweeted something. If you guys don't know, I actually have a strong core of friends. I got social media friends and I got real life friends. My real life friends are people that I went to college with who are on social media. Um, and so one of them tweeted something. And he was saying, I forgot what he said. I want to find out what he said exactly. But he said something about like, he's thankful for the blessing of fatherhood. Um, I'm going to find out the exact tweet because I don't just want to be talking. He said, dang it. He said, fatherhood is such an amazing gift. I will never take it lightly, lightly. And I was like, that's so true because like everything that I've been able to accomplish happened when he came. It's always telling him like, thank you for letting me be your father. Like, I appreciate that. And as I was walking out of the office today, I realized like a big part of the reason why I do what I do, how I do it is because I don't have the luxury of earning income from one person anymore. So if you see me earning income, it's actually for multiple people, not just for Charles. Right. <laughs> and so like before all this happened, I was just like, you know, if Charles has enough money to do whatever, it's whatever. Or if Charles doesn't have money, he can just go without. But my son can't go without. It's not possible. He's not going to be like, dad, you know, it's cool. If we don't have dinner tonight. Like, no, it's not possible. And so like mm. that drives you and it pushes you. And it also elevates your priorities because your priorities become them, not Twitter, not Instagram, not even the people that I know in real life, not even my, my actual close family. Like at that point in time, everything elevates above that. And what that means is that everything elevates above those people's opinions as well. And a lot of times people's opinions can keep you down and hold you back. I always talk about how like you have these people that we kind of put on a totem pole. I call it hero worshiping. And always like the people that I relate to are like Aisha Seldon and Tyra McDaniels and even Erica Classy Climb and all these people. And so like when you're like an understudy, you don't want to do too much because you don't want to offend those people. You're like, man, I want them to still like me. They're so cool. They're so successful. I don't want to like overextend myself and put myself out there such that they'll think less of me. And so I did that even with Terry Egioma. Like Terry has her own trading course. I was like, I can't put my stuff out there because it might not be better than hers. It might not be as good as hers. And I got to just continue to promote her stuff 
and make a thousand dollars a month when she's making a million dollars. She made a million dollars last year, probably probably more. And um, when you have your own family, you be like, I don't care about what Terry thinks. I don't care what Baisha thinks. I don't care if they like me, they dislike me, what they say, if they make like. Even what's funny is like I was so hesitant to push my stuff, and then like I saw Aisha posted something, and she was like, "Yeah, I got this masterclass coming, ninety-seven dollars, blah blah blah." And I felt like she was kind of like playing me a little bit. And you know what I tweeted on top of it? I was like, "That's a great deal because I don't, mm-hmm. I respect her, but she ain't gonna make sure my she she ain't paying the bills around here. She's not gonna pop and say, you know what." Charles' son, I'm going to take care of your college. I'm going to take care of your education. But you know who is? Me. And so I'm willing to make sure that I'm willing to make sure that he's taken care of despite other people. And that's where I am right now. And that's why fatherhood is so dope because it brings you into who you should truly be. I was telling this lady that I live with the other day that like when you're a mom and you have a, a son, it turns you into that lioness. And so you become ferocious. You're willing to take on whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a wildebeest. It doesn't matter if whatever these things are. Like, you're going to go do whatever you have to do for your family. And we don't get there until we have a family. Our parents, luckily, had us young. I don't know about your parents. My parents had me young. My mom was 20 when she had me. And so all I've ever known was my mom being that person. But also, you can't even really track that that timeline up with my lifetime line because my mom had kids at 20. I had kids at 33. And so her life at 27 isn't my life at 27. Her life at 30 is not my life at 30 and vice versa. It's like, how did we live all this life, have a son and get a house before he turns three months old? Because it's a different, it's a shift. It's a shift where you start doing stuff for the greater purpose and not for the you purpose. I'm not trying to get a house to stun on my friends. I don't care what they do. Like, I'm over here just like, I want my son to be in a great neighborhood. I want to have his own space. I want to have access to a community center. I want to be down the school from this, for the, uh, from the school that we wanted to go to, all that stuff. Like, that's, it's a, it's a higher level. And I used to have a friend who didn't even go to college. And he was always making so much money. And I was like, bro, like you didn't go to college. You dropped out, but you're like making all this money. And it's because he had kids to take care of. Mm. When you have kids to take care of, you become a, a greater being. And I was talking about like, yeah, that's what I was talking about. I don't know. I just <laughs> wanted to tangent. I'll just be going in. Ty Cap. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I am. For it's sure. like 10 o'clock. What we, we got more tweets? Yeah, two more. I mean, right, we can wrap it up. I mean, wrap it up either way, but I got two more. So, I don't know if you remember this tweet. You said, folks rather struggle in California than move to Texas or Atlanta and flourish. Right. Um, don't quite apply to you, but. I, I don't really have much to say about that one, but it's true. It's so funny because I look at the heart zogs and he, he posted something, he deleted it, but he said something along the lines of like, they are able to save a hundred grand liquid. And it's interesting because Texas is such a unique place. Texas is a place where you can make enough money to where your wife doesn't have to work. But if she does, all you're doing is stacking paper. And what's interesting is like, I've seen them doing well. You, of course, you see, you see Erica doing well. And the uh, his and her money family, they paid off their house. And the wife, I don't think she worked the entire time they were paying off the house. They lived up for one income, paying off the house, and she was just like hustling, doing different things. She was doing yard sales. She was doing different businesses. They had their podcasts, all that stuff. 
And it was just crazy to me that like you can do that in Texas, but you can't do that in California. California is a two income state, period. <laughs> like it's not like I'm going to stay home. Like, OK, you know, it costs a lot of money to live here. But like Texas isn't like that. Texas, you can buy a huge house for like two twenty five. You're out there living. In California, it's twice as expensive. Despite property taxes, twice as expensive. And Georgia's the same way. You see a lot of people in Georgia, they got the bins, they whip in. That's because their housing expenses are so low. If you can buy a house for a hundred grand, of course you can buy an S class. <laughs> of course you can buy a Bentley truck. Like you don't got to be rich to get a Bentley truck or get Gucci and Louie and all this stuff when you live in Georgia. That's why Georgia's like that. My girl paid 40 grand for a house. My like people in Georgia are living well and the cost of living factor is huge. I don't know why California is like this. Sometimes <laughs> it's depressing, but in a lot of ways it, it does push you. So, right. Cause you got to make it to live. And it's funny you mentioned the hearts, you mentioned the hearts of they're originally from New York. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. so they moved. They moved from New York. I guess he convinced the wife to to move to uh, Dallas or wherever they are in Texas. And I guess that was one of the biggest, um, the best decisions that they made. Well, on the flip side, you said if you buy a house for five hundred k and you put down two hundred k, you didn't actually lose the money. You just put it in a savings account that will yield way more than what the bank is giving. That's me justifying and rationalizing this whole process. I'm like, dang, that's crazy. That's a lot of money to move. But then I'm like, you aren't really moving. It's not like you're like spending it. It's because it's not like you're spending it because what happens is you're parking. Right. And it still shows up on your balance sheet. So if they look at your balance sheet, they're looking at total assets minus total liabilities. And so what's an asset? A home is an asset. What do you own in that? What do you own that asset? Okay, you owe this. So it's still reflected in your finances, but it's still kind of like it's scary because you're out there like, you know what I'm saying? But that's how I rationalize it. And it's true because not, not only do you still see the money, but also the home is going to appreciate in value. It's likely not going to depreciate in value. Um, and since we're buying in an early phase, what tends to happen is as they sell more phases, they raise the price. And so if you buy it at X and you're in phase whatever, and there's eight more phases behind you, every time they sell more phases, they raise the price. And I saw that in my parents. My parents, when they bought their home most recently, they bought it at a certain number. And now all the homes are selling for like a hundred grand more than that, maybe more, but they got in at an early phase because they had been in on the list early. And so as they were building more homes and doing all this other crazy stuff, it was going up in price. And so they just had built in equity at that one point in time. And so that's just, that just looks good and it feels good. And so it's like, you're, you're spending the money, but you're not really spending the money. And, and that's why I like real estate so much. Real estate is a, is a situation where you spend money, but you don't spend it. And that's why, like, for example, we're doing a lot of stuff on our rental properties. And so we're having to put a bunch of money in the rental properties, but also I'm rehabbing a property, property as well right now. And it's costing money. Like, for example, today I had to spend like $1,000 on something crazy, on a Home Depot trip. And then at the end of the week, Griggs, our Griggs house will be finished. But in the Griggs house, we put all new cabinets, all new countertops. We refinished the hardwood floors. We repainted everything, fixed all the drywall, fixed, fixed the roof. There's a ceiling issue where the ceiling was dipping. And so like when we first bought the house, I kind of like overlooked it because <laughs> it was too expensive. Like we were like, we spent every, all the other money on everything else. I was like, bro, let's, let's keep this budget a little bit low. Um, and so this time I was like, you know what? I can't put somebody else in there without what that ceiling look like, looking like that. And so they ripped out the ceiling and they found out there was some water damage from a, a leaky roof. 
Um, and so we got that out of there. And what I tell people from that is you don't have to be Mr. Real Estate to get started in real estate. You can kind of grow into being Mr. Real Estate. And a lot of us are like, man, if I can't make my rentals not look like rentals, I'm not going to own rentals. I don't want to be a slumlord. But like, you don't got to stay a slumlord. You might start out a slumlord. And honestly, like you're not even a slumlord if that's not your intent. That just might be your budget. Like your budget might be, I got to do what I can. But the moral of the story is every dollar we spend on that property is really just putting money into savings accounts. It's the craziest thing because everything that we're buying increases in value. So you put 5,000 into a property, you just increase that value 10,000, 15,000. You're not spending money. You're just transferring it. Let's say, for example, when to sell it, we sell it. I am going to keep notes because a lot of the stuff I'm paying for myself. So like the a portion of the rehab on the Tracy house, I'm funding. And then all of the rehab on the Griggs house, I'm funding because we just weren't in a position to fund it because we bought other stuff. So I will expect to be compensated in the future. Uh, it's not a gift, but it's stuff that needed to get done because it was just like, I, like at a certain point in your real estate career, you got to start taking pride in your product. And so it's like, I can't even put somebody in this house and we have these old cabinets that we painted over 10 times and we have, like, there's a hood. Like when we bought the house, it was gross. Like it looked like there was a fire in the house. And actually I think there was a fire in the house because when we pulled back um, that ceiling, there's like fire damage. And so I think what happened is there was like a grease fire or a grease explosion. And so when we bought the house, it was just covered in grease. And I didn't, I didn't really realize like why it looked like that. And so the other guy, what they did is they just painted over stuff. And so like some stuff they pulled out, but for the most part, they just painted over stuff. One of the things that they painted over was the, uh, the hood for the stove. And like, when I saw that, I was like, that's disgusting. Like there's still like, you can see that there's like bubbles under here. Cause it was like blotches, blotches of like grease and they just painted over it. And so when the new guy came in, I was like, please take that out. I didn't know they had that in there. They took it out. They replaced the new one. But like now we're functioning at like elite landlord level where we're doing solid rehabs. The, the, the Oakman house was a solid rehab. This Tracy house, is even a better rehab. This Griggs rent turns it a solid rehab. And so I say that because the first property we bought was turnkey ish. The second property requires some work. Third property, um, was tenant friendly, tenant was already living there. And even that we've upgraded. So like we're at a point now where like we have the resources, we can be great landlords. In the beginning, we couldn't be great landlords. We also know it's just saving money. And so I tell people that because like, you got to see the vision, you got to see where you're going. And so many people, they'll say, well, if I can't be a great landlord, I just won't be a landlord. Okay. If you want to work for people for the rest of your life, but I tend to get started and get fancy. Get fancy later. We should put that on a shirt. Yeah. I uh, can't even see it probably. What does that say? An email saying you helped Todd Capital make a sale about <laughs> like 45 minutes ago. I don't even know you were running a sale on something because I'm looking at the price. But on that note, Some people, hmm? I don't know how people, people find my old links, man. I don't know how that happens. You know what I realized? And this is what? the importance of constantly promoting, especially on Instagram. I don't know so much about Twitter, but especially on Instagram, when I go, sometimes I'll post about a sale happening and maybe nothing happens. Like I don't see, get notifications that something happens. Uh, I'll I'll go or I'll, you know what it is I'll check the 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 I'll check the insights on a certain post 
And sometimes it's like people aren't really clicking, going to the to the, the profile and clicking on the link. So I'm like, man, for sure nobody's buying. But then I'll notice people are bookmarking the post or they're DMing it to somebody else. Really? Post. Yeah. So that's why you know, that's how I know what's going on. They're not interesting. They're not clicking on the link right then and there, but they're bookmarking it. So they're coming back later. That's they, crazy. They're DMing it to somebody else. I never thought about that. But that makes sense because I was thinking about that too. I was like, maybe they're just going back to my old post and then seeing the code and putting the code and that's how they're getting that price. Because I was like, I deleted all the links out of the link tree, but they're still getting that price. How are they getting the price? And I guess that's how. They bookmarking, yeah, they bookmarking these tweets. and I mean, these posts on whatever platform. And on that note, it's time to promote on our way out. Also, shout out to 17th Watches, man. That's such a cool, cool stuff. I own a lot of his watches. Actually, I only own three, but I would think that's a lot. They're very fair and affordable, and it feels good to wear something that promotes your own. I'm very big on that. I tell people that like I work too hard for my money to be out there giving it to people who don't look like me. I feel like that's like a loss. Like if I like we used to have a cleaning lady, and like she was like pleasantly a jerk. <laughs> Like, not the actual clean lady, but the owner of the business. Like, I would call her. She's like, yeah, I mean, we can't do that because of this. Or, yeah, I mean, this is how we do things. And so we can't. Like, she was, like, really firm. She wasn't, she wasn't like, for me. She was kind of like, I don't know. I'm not really explaining it. Like, she was very friendly and very nice, but she was also, like, rigid. Mm. And I felt like I was working for her in a sense. Like, it wasn't accommodating. And so that's why she got fired. But now our cleaning lady is African-American. And I feel like, I don't even feel like it's a loss. I feel like I'm just, like, giving myself money but getting a clean house. Like, I don't, like, that's, that's what group economics is, though. Group economics, and this is why every other culture does it, is it's not a loss. It comes right back to you. If I give Raphael money, he, it comes right back to me. If he gives money back to me, I give it back to him. It's a cycle. It's not like we're trying to extract as much resources. When Europeans go to Africa, they go there to extract. They don't go there to create a system where they're giving as much value as they're taking. They're like, fuck you. You ain't, you ain't a part of my team. I just, I just care about getting your oil. And like when you do business with your own, it's quid pro quo. And I I feel like that's why it's so important. Like, think about it. I promote Chris. Chris promotes me. Who's getting money? All of us. I promote Sierra. Sierra promotes me. Who's getting money? All of us. Raphael, we do the, the, the show. Who's getting money? All of us. That's how we're supposed to do business. So at this point is when I sign off and I let Raphael in the show by himself. Yeah, yeah, let's take it out. As you know, options course probably is a sale going on right now. Learn how to trade options in the stock market. Flip little money to big money. Go to toddcapital.co. All the courses are available there. Go to gumroad.com slash tweet talk. Get our new shirt. I am the source. Remember, real estate, stocks, all these things are just investment vehicles. You are the driver. You are the source. Get the shirt. Gumroad.com slash tweet talk. Follow us on Twitter. Raphael at workmoneylife. Follow Charles at Todd Billion. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Charles uh, at Todd.Billion, at Todd.Capital, and at Blessed Black Man all on Instagram. But like I said, make sure you get the options course. Get the I Am The Source like, t-shirt. I feel like it's perfect timing to start promoting the uh, Black Men Building Wealth Conference Part 2, um, given yeah. the circumstances I feel like it's so important. I was um, getting the mail the other day and I saw this mom with her son and I was like, you know, 
a lot of times people are saying things like, oh, I'm so scared to have a son right now in America. And I was like, we just, we got to love on our young men. We have to support our young men. We have to invest in our young men. And a lot of times we're left to fend for ourselves. And most people don't make it. Most people don't make it, Raphael. Most people who are left to fend for themselves choose the bad path and they end up in jail. They end up killed by a drug dealer or killed by a cop. And it's not because the system failed them. It's because we failed them. And so I feel like now is the time to continue to pour into African-American men and make them a priority because as you make men a priority, you make the family a priority. And if the family's a priority, everybody's taken care of. And so we're going to bring that back. We're going to promote that. But I think we're supposed to talk about current events and we haven't talked about a current event this week, but I'm back to talk about a current event and we're seeing the protests and there's a lot of activity, a lot of people who are expressing their concern. And I think that we have to be empathetic about that. I just want us to look at the bigger picture. Let's not look at the idea of justice and that we are punishing cops. We have to look at why does this continue to happen? We have to look at how can we prevent it from happening in the future? And so I propose a few solutions. One of them being, I don't think cops should carry lethal guns. I don't think that cops should have the option of even killing you in the first place. It shouldn't be a situation where I have the discretion to either end your life or allow your life to continue to exist based on what I feel in that moment. Um, is it going to be easy? No. Um, I propose it and people have given me cer- different circumstances and scenarios and they're saying, well, what if this happens? What if they have weapons? What if this? We have to figure out a solution, but I don't feel like, I feel like what we're existing in is antiquated. So that's one thing. Of course, um, the whole justice thing is important. And this is a lot coming from me because I used to really be apathetic about the whole thing. I used to be comply, do what they say, and everything will work out. And I think that's also a strategy. But I feel like we have to create circumstances where men don't feel like they have to resort to things like these men are resorting to, to make money. Every single time, it's always money-related crimes. It's always somebody who's trying to get a buck, um, whether by selling cigarettes, um, in this instance, cashing a, a fake dollar, $20 bill. Um, I think I talked about this on the last thing, but that's why creating our own economy is so important. It's not about getting a bunch of money to buy Rolls Royces. It's about getting enough money to make sure folks don't got to struggle, man, to make sure we can create jobs, to make sure people don't have to resort to crime. I know a young man who used to work at the, the same business I always reference in this show, and he was working. He had a job. He was good. He started showing up late. And one of the ladies, she was a younger girl. She fired him. And you know what he did? He started robbing folks. You know where he is now? He's in jail. Why is he in jail? Because they didn't nurture him. They didn't foster him. And they let this dude who's in his young 20s and they treat him like he was a grown man. And too often we treat young men like they're grown men. We're saying, you 18. You're supposed to know better. Meanwhile, they're over here getting coddled, getting car notes paid for, getting apartments paid for, getting med school paid for, getting all this stuff paid for. And you, you're over here getting the soft hand, but you have a hard hand on the young man who isn't mentally there yet. You don't even mentally get there until like you're 27, 28, 29, 30. And so what do you expect a young man who's 22 to 27 to do? Ignorant shit. But you can't, you can't pull him out of that situation. The best thing for him was to be working in that business. Even if he showed up late, even if he joked around a lot, he's a young kid. 
And this happens too often. Most kids don't even have that option. And it's frustrating because we don't see that we play into it. We don't see that we can prevent it. All we're doing is saying, be nice to us. I don't want success on the basis of somebody being nice to me. I want success based on me bossing up and getting it. And more of us can boss up and get it that we can change people. Like the book says, focus on changing you, not changing other people. It's easier to change you than to change other people. So I feel like I hit all elements. I feel like we're able to create justice. But what's really interesting to me, and I was thinking about this today, is like we put so much effort and energy into justice and not enough into economics, not enough into building healthier communities. Where's the protest when it's talking about building healthy communities? It's not existent. Where's the protest when we're talking about making sure you have strong families? It's not existent. Where's the protest when we're talking about building businesses so we can employ people? It's non existent. But we'll go over here and we'll protest for somebody to go to jail. And so when he does go to jail, what happens? Did your life improve? It didn't improve. You just feel better about yourself, but your life didn't improve. Can we start improving lives as opposed to just punishing other people? I feel like people have just given up. They feel like all hope is lost. So the best they can do is ruin somebody else's life. And that's why we see cancel culture running rampant, where people were over here shutting folks down, dragging people for not agreeing with them. It's frustrating to me because... I feel like people don't know that we have greatness inside of us and there's so many things that we could be accomplishing. And I want that for us. And that's why everything I do is at that purpose. Everything. Yeah, man. And tell you, looking at the uh, Chris Senegal's investment, that the, 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 the syndication that he's running right now, for the people listening, I'm not sure if it's, by the time you hear this, if it's still going to be up because I believe it, it, the fund closes today. But if it's still up, you should go to buytheblock.com and see if you could find Chris Senegal's uh, syndication in Houston, Houston Buying the Block, because that is the type of thing that we need to be doing because he's not just buying rental real estate. He bought like a package of 14 townhouses. He's renovated some of them, whatever, but he's not just buying the, the real estate. He's encouraging young black professionals with high incomes to come back to the, that neighborhood to bring the income up in the neighborhood and also not try not to keep the prices low on the people who are already there, who've been there for a long time. So they are not pushed out. So he's raising the income in the neighborhood while keeping the tenants that were already there who are good tenants that have been there for a long time. And he said they've been taking care of the homes. So he's keeping them too. But he said then he's going to bring in businesses to the neighborhood, but he wants to bring that higher income into the neighborhood first. Because I always wondered, how do you how do you buy the real estate and fix it up and not drive out the old tenants, which is what people talk about. It's so possible, man. it's like he's got kind of got the formula and people need to be looking at that formula. I am about to buy some shares, Raphael, right now. You encouraged me to do so. Thank you much. Make it, do make, it. Make, it make it some big, better be bigger than mine, man. I put in 500. <laughs> <laughs> why does it have to be bigger than yours, man? It says my password needs to be longer. I don't know why. I don't even know. It says 12 characters. There we go. Big money. Big book chuck. Bye. I'm about to I'm about to get some shares, man, and I'm gonna post it because I feel like he's been throwing he's been throwing subs at me lately. Really? All right, cool. They got me in there. I gotta verify my email though. Dang it! Why is it doing that? But yeah, man, I'm all about it. I'm all about investments. Why is this doing that? Maybe it's because it's closed. Let me see. Right, it says verify your email. So we. I feel like the reason why I'm doing this is because you got to do stuff even if it's uncomfortable, man. Too many times people want to support their own when it's comfortable, when it's easy, when it makes sense. 
And that's not how you make progress. You don't make progress when it's comfortable. You make progress because we got to make progress. So now I got to verify my email. Oh, wait a minute. Now it's saying 29 days left. What's that about? Maybe they extended it. Guess so. I'm still waiting on the email confirmation. Hopefully it comes. So those listening, go to buytheblock.com slash campaign, buy the block in historic Fifth Ward, Houston. Check it out. If you say you about change, get in. You can get in it for as low as $250. Yeah. Make it happen. It looks like they allow another 29 days. Make it happen and, in 29 days. And not only that, it, it helps you learn. Like if you're looking to do your own syndication, it'll help you kind of get the inside look of what it takes, how it looks. Like I didn't even know his look like this. Like this is dope. And quite honestly, like my goal is to do a project like this. Um, and I have a connection with a lady who does buy the block and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's why I'm doing it because I want to see the behind the scenes. I don't expect to get rich off the 500. Exactly. What are we going to do? What's 8% off of 500? 40 bucks. That is not the value you need to be seeking. And like, even, even, um, even like, uh, Tulsa real estate fund, like some things you do just because it's the right thing to do. Exactly. Just because we got to show that we can do it. Right. Like, I feel like, like Tulsa real estate fund, I forgot I even invested over there, but I didn't invest over there for the sake of like getting the money back. I invested over there because I wanted to see us do some dope stuff. Exactly. So now I got to figure out how to verify my email. It didn't come through yet. Oh. But I'm going to put a thousand over there. Nothing cray cray. Yep. It's it's an investment, man. And then when I put in some more money, then I'm going to tell you to put in some more money. Nope. I don't, I'm not competing (laughs) with you, man. I'm not, I'm not competing with you. I'm just doing what I feel is in my heart. All right. All right. Did they give you like a confirmation email? I want to be able to post it on social media because it's, it's Todd Capital. If I could post it and be like, Todd Capital invested in the Buy the Block Project. Yeah. um, Yeah. This this sent an investment confirmation. Was it like a, yeah. was it was it kind of like um you know how Tulsa Real Estate Fund gave you the little certificate? It wasn't that. I can't wait to get mine. My goal is to only show love. Mm-hmm. That's it. If they show hate, I'ma still show love. And I feel like that's the ultimate strategy. Is they talk bad about you and you big up them. Like that is powerful. It's like, man, I love what they're doing. They're they're supporting other people, they're building this great business. It's so dope. And they're like, He's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. Like, man, you, you guys are killing it, man. Keep it up. That's my strategy. Don't kill him with kindness. Chestnut checkers. Really out. <laughs> this is like the, this is this a long like the longest. We were like, it's going to be 30 minutes. It turns into two hours. And this is the longest one with just the two of us. So, like I said, to the people listening, make sure you go to all the platforms. Subscribe to Tweet Talk Podcast. Like I said before, follow, follow us on Twitter, at Work Money Life, at Todd Billion, Instagram, at Tweet Talk Podcast, at Todd Billion, at Todd.Capital, at Best of Black Man. More coming. Go to ToddCapital.co to get the courses. Go to Gumroad.com slash Tweet Talk to get the I Am The Sauce shirt and more products coming soon. Go to InvestAsAteam.com to get the shirts. You can't find me the boss from our show sponsor. Shout out to Chris Johnson at 17 Watches. Shout out to Sam at Bread Podcast. Shout out to Andre Hatchet and all the friends of the show. Shout out to Art Sauce and all the former guests. Episode 48, Tweet Talk. And I'd like to finish you off, just leave you all with one last tweet from Charles. And I'll leave you all with that. Run it up. Take a chance. Get rich. Get rich. <laughs> Episode 48, we are out.
Yes, this is Donald, the voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm give you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.